0: Hello there, C here, and welcome back to Dopamine. I am your host, Christian Rivera, and um, today I want to talk about using Myers Briggs, your Myers Briggs personality type. I will likely use INTP as the example, and combining that with the Enneagram centers of intelligence. So this is my way of doing some the beginnings of some crossover stuff with INTPs or Myers Briggs and the Enneagram. But I want to start with the 10,000 foot view because I want to get a sense of what's clicking with you, what questions you have from here, and we can then kind of tailor what's coming next based on some of those responses. Because I have kind of my vision of what I'd like to share, but it doesn't really mean anything if you're not interested in it, right? So this is a feeler. This is a way of putting things out there and seeing if this is interesting to you. So first of all let's talk about the intp side of things because i'm going to use intp as an example so i assume that if you are listening to this you have some sense of what it means to be an intp Uh, introverted intuitive thinking and perceiving type introverted being your sense of reality is more so in your mind more than it is to the outside world intuition refers to your learning style the way you take in information for an NP, that usually means in the outside world, putting emphasis on learning at, through pattern recognition and asking questions of reality, looking behind the curtain, curiosities of how it all works, what's the meaning behind it all, uh, and and what are the connections between disparate things. And then the thinking side is all about making connections uh, uh, or, or rather clean slicing some of those connections that you've made and trying to deduce and understand what makes sense for you, what is the data, what is the analytical truth, and more specifically, what is your truth, what makes sense to you. And then if you're able to drill down far enough to what makes sense for you, you get to a universal truth of what makes sense to basically everybody or for everybody. And so that's how That kind of works in terms of uh, uh, INTP's sense of logic and data. And then perceiver is about how you show up to the world. So perceiver means that you bring your perceiving function to the outside world. If you were a judger, you bring your judging function to the outside world. And so as a perceiver, as an INTP, you bring your perception out into the world, which means that you prefer freedom in the outside world versus Uh, An organization in your own private life. Whereas a judger would be the opposite. A judger would bring their judging function, their uh, decision-making function of thinking or feeling to the outside world. And they would uh, want more organization or control of the outside world in order to have more freedom and free form thinking and free form uh, being in their internal world. So internal use of imagination. So INTP, that's in essence, what that loosely means to be an INTP. Now, if we start thinking about other systems, we start thinking about the Enneagram and obviously INTP, the four letter code is not it. There's more, there's what are called cognitive functions. And if you are not uh, well-versed in those cognitive functions, we have a course on our website called, are you really an INTP, which goes into all of the cognitive functions for INTPs, the main four functions that we use but then also the remaining four functions that we use to kind of cross-reference and get a full picture of what it means to be an INTP or at least to cross-reference between being an INTP and a different type. So if you need that or want that, go check that out. That is free for you to go check out on our website at dopamine.school or dopeintp.com. goes to the same place. So when I started to learn about Myers-Briggs I started to learn about myself, I started to learn about people around me, and I pretty much stuck to the four-letter code. I started to learn loosely what the cognitive functions were, but I started to see videos on YouTube with like TI and TE and FE and NE and all these different abbreviations, and I was like, what is this? None of this makes any sense. This is crazy. Um, And I slowly went into it, I started to learn about cognitive functions, and now I feel fluent in what cognitive functions are and all of that. And I took my time to make sure that I went deep into the system to compare that to my experience, to compare that to my reality, to compare that to my relationships, my friendships, my past history. I took a long time to really gestate in this. And I think if you're an INTP listening, that is valuable for you. Because INTPs are are. We have a strength in being able to go deep into an understanding of something, to hold a lot of information and then kind of tether our way down. It's like a spelunking informationally into a topic. And so sometimes if we are spending too much time trying to mix systems together, that can make a messy brown putty, and it's not necessarily something that is useful together. But if you start to understand one system, you go deep into being an INTP, and let's say you take my INTP course or any of my other INTP courses, and you start to learn about yourself. You start to learn about Myers Briggs. You start to learn about uh, the the your relationship to your cognitive functions. That then you can start to explore other systems. And so for me, the next system that I explored. It was actually chakras. I didn't go deep into chakras, but I looked into chakras a little bit. And then I looked into the Enneagram cuz <clears throat> I knew the Enneagram was going to be a big thing. It was, was going to take a lot. There's nine types, there's 27 subtypes, there's instincts, there's passion, there's centers of intelligence, there's fixation, there's uh the arrow lines, there's wings, there's um you know, debates as to whether or not tri-type is helpful, all sorts of things, right? And so the Enneagram is 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 complex. I knew that even before I knew all of those things that I just listed. <laughs> I just knew it was gonna be a lot. So I had to be ready for it. <clears throat> and um it took me a while. It took me maybe two years of exploring Myers Briggs before I felt like I was ready to even start to dive into the Enneagram. I had a loose sense of what my type was. I thought I was an Enneagram five. And then I started learning about subtypes, and I learned that I'm a sexual five. <clears throat> and so learning that I was a sexual five helped me to understand a little bit why like, okay, so I, I, I'm an emotional person as an INTP. I'm not necessarily uh, trying to avoid emotions, but then I learned that I'm actually a sexual one for uh, involving deeper expl- exploration. As I went deeper into the system, <clears throat> my relationship to what the system offered me started to change. Right. And if I wasn't open to change, then I wouldn't have been able to calibrate to what my type is. So that exploration took a long time as well. I need a drink of water. All right. I don't usually talk this much in my real life (laughs) in my day to day life. So when I start talking my throat is like, what are you doing? Uh, This is crazy. Um, so I'm going to pull it back because one of the first things that I think was really helpful to learn about the Enneagram was what are called the centers of intelligence, which are basically grouping the nine types into three sections. Now the Enneagram has a lot of rule of three type of stuff. There's three arrow lines, there's, there's three like wings, there's, there's two wings in your main type. So that's three, there's the centers of intelligence. There's all sorts of rules of three involving the Enneagram. So one of those rules of three are the centers of intelligence and the centers of intelligence are related to your human body experience. So we typically think of ourselves as having a brain and the brain does everything, right? But if you really think about it, your heart is doing all sorts of things automatically. It is responding to external stimuli. It is pumping blood. It is, um, giving you signals on a pretty consistent basis and the same thing with your gut. Your gut is processing food. You have gut reactions, you have instinctual reactions, and you also have a nervous system, right? It's not just your brain. Your brain is connected through your entire body's nervous system and your gut as well. So basically what the three centers of intelligence are is identifying a your, where your type lies in terms of uh, a focus within your body. So there are head types, which are five, six, and seven. There are body types, which are eight, nine, and one. And then there are heart types, which are two, three, and four. And each of these types have uh, various fixations as they were, or, or passions or things that they fixate on or care about and uh, tend to put more Credence towards, so I'm a body type, and until I learned that I'm a body type, until I learned that I was a one, I didn't realize how much I'm actually relying on my body for my sense of intelligence. So, for example, when I'm doing, uh, when I'm am doing design work, <clears throat> I'm relying on instinctual knowing, and I'm not necessarily in the typical INTP way, ruminating on thoughts. I'm not typical in that sense that I am kind of making myself more confused on purpose. Like I don't like being confused. I don't like feeling that where it feels like a lot of INTPs really enjoy staying in that space or can keep themselves in that space. Whereas I was always, always very much searching for answers. I very much wanted answers to things. I would do it in the INTP way. I would do a lot of research. I need to fully understand something, but I would very much do it in a way where I'm looking for an answer and I will typically stick with that answer. And, um, I will not second guess it unless there's like very good information that comes in and changes my mind. Right. And even then I'm not actively searching for something to change my mind. Whereas, you know, a five, for example, Enneagram fives are head types and a head type may spend more time in mental fantasies or mental rumination or research, or, um, basically trying to think about things in order to avoid or distance themselves from emotional experiences. That's for fives specifically. And so you can see how this, this creates interesting connections when you start to connect the INTP side of yourself or myself to the Enneagram. And now I mentioned at one point that the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs, like there's a, there's a instinct to want to merge these things to create almost like a like taking two balls of putty, like a Play-Doh, you've got like a red Play-Doh and a blue Play-Doh and you mix them together and you're hoping that it's going to make this really lovely purple. And it's going to like create this, this vivid new thing that you can work with when most of the time, if you're mixing a bunch of colors and you're mixing a bunch of stuff together, these things like in the mind, it feels like Myers-Briggs is red and um, the Enneagram is blue, but really there's, multi-faceted colors to each of these, right? And so when you start to actually mix them, things start to actually just get muddy. You start to muddy the colors and they just become a gray or brown blob of Play-Doh. And (laughs) it just gets confusing, right? And so what I like to think of uh, the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs as, or other systems when you're connecting them as, how do these things create enhancements or debuffs to my experience. So if I'm thinking of Myers-Briggs as like the base layer of the way that my brain, specifically my brain, because the Enneagram is not just talking about your brain. Um, If I'm just thinking about the way that my brain functions, you know, the way that I make decisions, the way that I learn, the way that I show up to the world um, and my sense of reality, if I'm just using that as a calibrative piece, and then I think about the, Enneagram as this psycho-spiritual tool that covers the head, heart, and gut, and also this idea of essence and, and kind of going into spiritual concepts, then it's, it's looking at how perhaps an Enneagram fixation is utilized or exacerbated through my Myers-Briggs type. So again, with the Enneagram 5 example, for, for example, introverted thinking and Enneagram 5 sound very similar I've I've probably heard more INTPs say that they're Enneagram five fives more than any other type. I don't know if that's true that they are that type. I have not actually talked to that person. I don't know. I don't I don't know if these the if there's a massive mistyping happening because of the simple correlation that is made between introverted thinking and Enneagram five. The favoring of a lot of research or fully knowing something and not fully understanding what it means to be an Enneagram five, which is more about a fear type. So head types are also fear types. Body types are also anger types and, um, heart types are also, uh, the core emotion is sadness. I should say that the core emotion of heart types is sadness. The core emotion of body types is anger and the core emotion of, um, of head types is fear. So when you start to really dive into some of the ego-related stuff, which is harder with the Enneagram, it is harder to fully dive into the Enneagram because there's one thing with Myers-Briggs to be able to say like, oh, this is how my brain works. That's fun, right? (laughs) Like, oh, this is how I think about things. And in some ways, you give yourself permission to keep operating that way. With the Enneagram, it's almost the opposite. It's like the Enneagram is learning a lot of things that you're doing that maybe you ne- you really shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so it's like a lot of ego things that are just like, this is how you're self-sabotaging, or this is how you're staying stuck, or this is how you're being awful to other people, or this is how you're trying too hard to be good. <laughs> um, this is how you show up when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? The Enneagram is a much harsher truth than the Myers-Briggs is. Right. So Myers-Briggs is, feels more of like a, a tool, an objective tool necessarily that you can, that you can take and do whatever you need to with it. Right. It's like a, it's like a hammer you can bludgeon or you can build right with, with the, the Enneagram, it feels more like a scalpel into your heart experience into your mind. It's, It's like dissecting yourself. Right. So with Myers-Briggs, it's really easy to, to create a interpersonal relationship idea to this. Like I'm an INTP. So I think this way in the way that I think has a challenge with how other people think. And so it's, it's, it creates an external relationship. Whereas the Enneagram, if you're using it, it for its intention, it's a self thing. It's, it's like exploring deep wounding or it's exploring what you're doing on a regular basis it's like a it's an illumination tool it's a waking up tool it's a um it's a it's a way of understanding uh all of the obviously like some good things there's plenty of good things but it's an acceptance tool right because these are not things that you're necessarily going to change about yourself fully but you can change your relationship to them your type is not going to change um but you can start to have a relationship with seeing it. It's like casting a light on a shadow part of yourself and really like awakening some of those shadow elements. So for me, when I started to learn about being an Enneagram one, like that was the thing. When I started thinking I was a five, I was like, cool. And like, I was like fine with it. Like it made sense. Right. Um, because of that introverted thinking connection, I was like, yeah, I care about information. I care about data. I care about research. I care about, uh, you know, diving into things. And I, I have an imagination. I can think of all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, so it's really easy to make that INTP Enneagram 5 assignment, right? But when I started to work on the Enneagram starter kits for Personality Hacker, which are available on their website, slash Enneagram, Uh, which I worked on, by the way. And as I was editing those, I was going through Enneagram one and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Basically all of the judgments I'd made on other people, all of the explanations of myself that I've given of being like kind of brash or harsh or um, having a kind of an edge to me just kind of came to light. All of my judgments of other people suddenly crashed on top of me. Uh, it was like opening a closet of all the stuff I tucked away and suddenly I'm like, oh, I was actually talking about myself. I was judging myself. I was judging them because these are things that I care about or things that I wish that I could be and that I'm not. And I was judging myself for that. And because I didn't want to take that in, I deflected it right as a sexual one, the sexual subtypes, which I'll do another episode on subtypes. That's going to be a whole other thing. Um, is like a deflection tactic, Right instead of absorbing the judgment and taking in that judgment for myself. But there still is a relationship to judgment. I'm avoiding judgment and being a sexual one. Deflection is my way of avoiding judgment, right? Just as I was mentioning with fives is like fives are trying to avoid, um, fives are trying to avoid, uh, emotional experiences. And so I haven't really talked about heart types yet. Heart types are, are typically trying to, uh, manage some relationship to sadness. So twos are having this, this ambivalent relationship with sadness. Usually there's a sense of importance for a two that is, um, that is sometimes deflecting sadness and then sometimes utilizes sadness, depending on the context. Uh, threes are underdoing sadness and fours tend to overdo sadness. And so, I haven't seen as many twos and threes with INTPs. I've seen some fours. I've seen, I have seen some twos. Um, so, you know, the way that different types manifest is something I will probably go into. If that's something you're interested in, leave a comment or reach out to me at dopaminepodcast at gmail.com and let me know if that's something you're interested in, kind of going one type at a time. But talking about the overarching. Uh, heart types, you know, heart types can take things personally pretty easily because it's all about kind of emotional resonance and emotional reactions. And that might counteract the feeling of what it might be like to be an INTP. It's like, uh, but I'm an INTP, like I'm kind of cold and rational. What do you mean I'm a heart type? And, um, that's going to get into the specifics there of, of getting into what each type is doing. But, um, What I'm trying to get at is like the types kind of the Enneagram types kind of flavor what you're using your introverted thinking for, right? So all INTPs are using introverted thinking, for example, or extroverted feeling or extroverted intuition or all of these four functions. And, but what are you using it for? What do you, what is your focus of attention? What are you caring about? What are you thinking about? What are you focused on? Um, what makes you upset? What makes you angry? What makes you afraid? Right, and so uh, it gets complicated because once you get into all the types, there's a lot of nuance. But at this base level of thinking about head, heart, and body type, it's thinking about: um, is there something? Is there a fear you're trying to avoid or or counter for? So an enneagram six may think of themselves as someone that's just like prepared. Like I'm just, I'm always thinking about what's going to possibly happen and I'm prepared for it. Right. I'm, I'm preparing for the worst case scenario. I'm preparing for the zombie apocalypse. Like I'm I'm just thinking about what's going to happen. Right. I have a contingency plan for uh, if a ghost shows up in my house, like I'm just joking about that, but it, it could be thinking about what's the next things that are going to happen around you. And, Uh, being fixated on those things and making putting actions into place to prevent bad things from happening and sometimes creating bad things because you're fixated on bad things, not bad things, but like problems to occur or uh, things that could go wrong. Uh, And so the six is like the center of the fear type, like the the passions. I'll go into passions. If again, if we want to cover that, and go into more depth. We can totally do that. Um, And also let me know if this is something you want like an in-depth full course on, because that's something I could totally do related to INTPs and the Enneagram. Um, You know, all of that stuff. So again, comments below, but I'll I'll do whatever uh, you request. Um, Not blindly, but you know, I'll take your suggestions is what I'm saying. Um, So I'm trying to find a way to bring this home. And because all I want you to think about now is the three centers of intelligence, right, and the centers of intelligence again are the 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 center of intelligence that you tend to favor so five, six, and seven tends to favor the head, fives with information, sixes with kind of the external world and what could go wrong, and sevens with underdoing fear and trying to go towards it's almost like a fear of a lack of abundance, it's a fear of scarcity in a strange way. And so sevens are always looking for more. I want more options. I want more possibilities, etc. And then you've got the body types, which are more of the gut oriented types, more instinctual based and um, <clears throat> eights overdo anger. They like do everything at full force um, tend to not necessarily be combative or, or do conflict on purpose, but they can and they will. And um could be very abrasive, sometimes cursing up a storm, depending on the intensity of the type or depending on the subtype as well. And their personal life experience. Nines tend to underdo anger and prefer to do, uh, to avoid conflict and uh, almost fear, have a fear of their own anger. Um, but is more about um, <clears throat> an anger related to wanting to keep the peace. Right. It's like, the anger will show up if someone is messing up the vibe, <laughs> like everything's going well. Why are you screwing this up? And then ones are going to be trying to avoid judgment and trying to, their their main passion is anger. So when I was talking about learning about my type as a one, I suddenly was aware of the anger in my body. Suddenly I was like, I came online and I just went like flame on like Johnny Blaze, not Johnny Blaze. What am I thinking? Johnny, uh, Johnny Storm, um, Johnny Blaze, Johnny Storm same idea, kind of, <laughs> uh, f- fire all over the body and the belly. And just like, there's just this, this rage about everything. <laughs> and, and for me, it's about avoiding judgment. And, um, that fear of judgment is a way of, uh, managing that judgment rather is a way of feeling like I can continue to get my needs met. And then twos, threes, and fours, um, twos are a little bit more about a sense of self-importance, um, often categorized as like a helper, but it's a little bit more about, um, a little bit more about confirming a sense of importance because they're a little bit afraid to afraid to go into their internal experience and um, look at what's there. Threes are shapeshifters; they tend to morph into whatever is successful in the situation. So I imagine a lot of INTP threes are not really listening to this because you're busy doing things. They're really good at reading the room. They're reading really good at reading others, emotional experiences and being able to satisfy the emotional needs of those around them. Even if you're an INTP that has inferior extroverted feeling, there's going to be a talent that gets buffed with that Enneagram three, right? That's kind of what I was trying to get to, but I'll, I'll, I'll do the four real quick. So Enneagram four is going to overdo sadness as a means of trying to get their needs met as like, if I'm just showing more that I'm tortured or that I'm suffering or that I'm dealing with pain all of the time, or that I'm a unique individual, that I'm expressive, um, that I will get my needs met. And that there's a sense of, um, the, the passion is envy and, um, that passion shows up as a means of, trying to individual individuate themselves. Like all the heart types want to be understood, like fully understood, like seen is usually the word that I hear heart types using. I would like to be seen, like witnessed, fully experienced as a, an emotional human being. And um, fours in particular counteract that in a sense where threes are doing to be seen. Fours are helping to be seen uh, or twos are helping to be seen. Fours are, trying to be unique to be seen, but by being consistently unique, they be make themselves further misunderstood and are kind of always moving away from being understood and being seen, uh, unconsciously. So I ended up kind of going through all the types, but, <laughs> uh, that's just like a brief overview of, of all of the types and, and how they connect to the center of intelligence. But in essence, if you think about extroverted feeling, as an inferior function for INTPs and then connect that to a heart type, that might mean that you are using that function perhaps a little bit more than necessary, or even you're using your introverted thinking in an emotional way, which is not wrong. There's nothing bad about that. Right. But maybe you're focused on, maybe you're an INTP that's a two and you're kind of asking someone uh, uh, giving unsolicited advice or trying to help someone when uh, interjecting your sense of importance right and that's kind of what all the enneagram types do is like we're interjecting a sense of importance to feel a sense of value to feel like we can get our needs met and it kind of defines the social part of being a human being right it's like how are we interjecting our social importance into the world and so you can see how this is exclusive from being an INTP. You can be an INTP Enneagram 2. You can be an Enneagram 3 or 4, right? You can be a heart type as an INTP. You can be a head type and you can be a body type. You can be any type as an INTP. I've seen INTP 8s that are very direct with their introverted thinking. They're very brash. They're very like, this is going too long. This is this is taking too slow. This is blah, 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 blah. blah. I'm not going to listen to a 30-minute podcast. Like, Tell me what the direct thing is. Uh, I don't want to have to wait. Right. (laughs) And it sounds kind of extroverted thinking ish, but it's, it's more of an impatience. It's more of a, the passion of lust for an Enneagram eight. Right. And um, I'm hitting the 30 minute mark. So I'm just going to take a quick break and then I'll resume in a second. All right. Welcome back. There's a 30 minute limit on anchor and I'm recording directly through the website. So um, that's why I had to take a quick break, but catch my breath, and think about what I'm talking about. So let's go through the passions real quick so I can understand what the passions, you can understand what the passions are and how they relate to being an INTP, right? I want to make that connection for you and how an INTP may show up or what I've seen at least. Um, So I talked about eight, eight, the passion for eight is lust. And actually, what is a passion? I should probably talk about what a passion is first. A passion is an emotional fixation for each Enneagram type. So it's the kind of the emotion that you get carried away with in a sense, right? The thing that, that kind of drives you, it's like, I mentioned hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And it's like when you're feeling one of those things, typically lonely could also include bored because if you're not enjoying your own company and you're bored, then that's like a connection to loneliness. So hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired words, uh, that typically shows like kind of the emotional, outburst that we're having. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be an outburst, but it's, uh, creates a little bit of a, a fixation. It's like the attitude that comes out in us, right? It's like what takes over us emotionally. And so for eights, that passion is lust and lust is not necessarily about sexual things. It's, it's just about directness. It's about immediacy. It's like I, and, and power and aggression and, um, assertiveness, not necessarily aggression, but assertiveness. It's like the strong survive and the weak die. And if you're going to see the world in that way, as the world is divided into those two things, you're going to take the strong route. And so there's an emphasis on strong. There's an emphasis on um, wanting to get things immediately. And so things like when you think about hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, there's a lot of avoidance of even those things. Right. So (laughs) there's um, immediate, sometimes can be like overeating. Sometimes that can be expressing your anger so regularly that you don't stop to feel your anger. You're just being that, um, there's an impatience because you don't want to spend a lot of time with yourself and dealing with the vulnerabilities of, of your inner world or vulnerabilities of, uh, having to be patient. There's an immediate, like, okay, this is taking too long. I need to move on and do other things. Right. I need to keep doing things, uh, not doing things in the Enneagram three way, but just, uh, uh, it's an avoidance of vulnerability essentially. And then tired is kind of the same thing. It's like my, my six-year-old is an eight and he is when he's tired, he's like, I'm not tired. <laughs> just like, and He starts fighting me and he gets aggressive. And I'm like, okay, man, whatever you need to do. And then He'll he'll eventually get there. Um, so that's kind of funny. The nine, the passion is sloth. Sloth is a uh, going asleep, going to sleep to oneself for nines. Uh, that means not necessarily... So I actually, sorry, with the eight, I mentioned how the eights show up as an INTP. Um, I think an example of an eight as an INTP is um, Belana Torres in... Star Trek Voyager. It's a very specific character (laughs) reference, but, uh, she is, uh, she's an, she uses an introverted thinking style of understanding, like engineering and the way that she works on the team. Um, but she's very direct, very brash, very, um, assertive. And she, she has that, that sort of introverted thinking Enneagram eight sort of vibe. Uh, so that's an example there. Um, I might not have an example for all of them. I will do my best. Uh, for, so for any grim nine sloth falling asleep to yourself, going asleep to yourself. And it's not conscious. It's not like you're literally sleeping or being lazy, but it's, uh, it's a preference for managing the outside world or giving into the needs of the outside world. So instead of having like your own preferences, your own needs, it's like about, it's this idea in your mind that if you are able to make other people around you feel at ease or feel at peace, then you will be at peace. And so it's it's um, it feels or looks self sacrificing, but it is everything is about self. So even the most self sacrificing type, the seemingly most self sacrificing type of twos, are types that are you know doing it for themselves in one way or another. That's just the human experience. So nines are very much doing it for themselves to be able to eventually feel at ease or feel at rest. Um, But sometimes, you know, not fully letting themselves be. Um, So there's a, I just got done watching Survivor uh, season 37, which is on Netflix. And there's an INTP, his name is Christian. And I think he's a nine and he's very, very good at socially managing the situation. You would not think that an ITP would be very good at managing a social situation, but if this is what you're focused on basically your entire life <laughs> of managing uh the the energies and the vibe of the people around you, then you're going to be good at it. And so it's it shows up in that extroverted feeling kind of way of like sometimes going towards the most needy person, but really it's it's kind of like You walk into a room and someone says, Hey, I need your help. And you're like, okay. And you like literally drop everything and just put your attention towards that person. Like anything that you want or anything that you need or anything that you're thinking about is immediately less relevant. So a lot of the INTP nines have really enjoyed hanging out with me in like live streams and stuff like that. Cause they're just like, I just want to hang out. I just want to be in a good vibe. I just want to be in a good situation. Right? So in a lot of ways, nines are Really great at being the poster child for just being, because that's what they want to do. They want to keep just being, and if somebody is messing up the being with uh, drama or or uh, uh, I don't know, bringing their own chaos into a situation, that activates the anger of a nine typically, and and, and nines have kind of a a fear of their own anger in a sense. It's like, I'm trying to stay chill because if I get anger, I will, I will get angry. I will destroy everyone. It's like the Hulk. (laughs) It's like, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry (laughs) kind of vibe. Um, so yeah, that's the nine, uh, ones, the passion is anger. So the passion is, um, like I said, an emotional fixation. And so when I start to develop, my own personal needs, I typically notice myself being angry. Like I can be chill. I can be whatever, uh, but it's still really hard. Like I just went to the orthopedic doctor yesterday. It's really hard for me to relax and release tension. You know, like I'm constantly in just like kind of an anger state. And, um, and I don't mean like a, like blowout anger, but it's just like a simmering pot of water, just always simmering, always ready for something to happen. Right. And so ones are typically trying to avoid judgment. And I noticed myself at the orthopedic doctor yesterday, checking out my ankle where at one point they were like, relax your foot. And I was like, okay. And then they were like, relax your foot. (laughs) I'm like, I did. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know how to relax. I'm sorry. I'm not very good at that. And I'm like trying to think of how can I be, how could I be a good patient right now? And so there's this relationship to good or bad, you know, I'm, because of that simmering pot of anger, it's either you're a good person and you're fine and there's nothing I need to fix with you or you're, uh, you know, or you fit into the realm of bad and you need to be fixed. And so ones have this hubris of thinking that the world's not good enough and I need to fix it. But in reality, we're taking on suffering that doesn't belong to us. And so for a one, uh, as The ones who are intps like every enneagram type also has like an a type of advice that they give (laughs) that uh to me comes out as like just advice quote unquote just like for ones it's like just be disciplined right or like for eights it might be just like just do the thing or for nines it's like just chill out (laughs) you know some version of just right and so for for ones it's like the uh, the INTPs that show up in my comments typically are the ones that are like, you just got to do this. You just got to be disciplined. You just got to be a good person, which is, they're not overtly saying you have to be a good person, but they're saying you have to do this and this and this to be the best person, to be perfect. And so there's this relationship to perfection. There's this relationship to being a perfect person that a one is trying to get towards. And an INTP will use their introverted thinking and introverted sensing typically to be disciplined, to get into rituals, to get into routines, to get a high paying job or a good paying job. Um, there's the same thing. I don't know why I said that two different ways. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but there's ultimately a self criticism that fuels that those are typically more of the self preservation ones. And again, subtypes become a whole thing. I'm a sexual one, so I don't have as much of a relationship with perfection as I am developing now a little bit, but, um, I am judging others to avoid judging myself. So as a sexual one, so it's, it's all related to judgment. The, the core theme is judgment. Um, but it's like a scalding anger. It's a, I think wrath is the equivalent vice. Uh, and so it's this, it's this wrath. It's like, if you do the wrong thing, you're going to incur my wrath, (laughs) you know? And uh, wrath being judgment, you know, if, if, because I'm constantly fearing judgment, I, it's because I'm constantly judging others or judging myself. And so INTPs, again, who show up in my comments are the ones that are typically very disciplined. They're usually in good shape. Again, they have a good, uh, a good job or a good family or home situation. Um, but there's a stoicism to it. There's a, uh, a, a, like an unhealthy level of stoicism and there's an aggressiveness. And sometimes they'll come into my comments and tell me, uh, and I apologize if you feel judged by saying, by me saying this, I'm not trying to judge you. I'm just pointing out what I noticed Uh, that they will, they will come into my comments and, and almost reinterpret what I've said so that they get the credit for knowing the thing that I was talking about. (laughs) So it's like, Re- reiterating what I'm saying in order to be the one that is the, the, the smarter person, you know? Uh, and so, uh, i realized that I get triggered by my own fellow ones. So I apologize if it's, this does sound like I'm judging you. I am not, uh, I'm, I'm doing my best not to at least, <laughs> but I'm really talking about myself because I do that all the time too. And so, this hyper discipline, just be disciplined, is very much a one's relationship to anger. All right, so let's move this along a little bit. Twos, the passion is. Why am I forgetting what the passion is for two? I got to look it up because I'm forgetting. Enneagram, oh, Enneagram two, passion, and it is. What is it? Why am I forgetting it? (laughs) Oh, my brain. Oh, I got this. Oh, this beautiful list here. Great. Awesome. Ninetypes.co. I don't know if the blog's any good, but this is like, there's a graphic here. That's very useful. And so the, uh, for each passion, by the way, there is an equivalent virtue and I'm not getting into that in this podcast, but if that's something you want me to cover, uh, let me know so ones were anger two is pride. Pride is, you know, so typically twos are seen as like the helper type. They're the ones that are trying to, um, always meet people's needs. And so I've seen INTPs who are twos, they'll typically offer me help. They'll say that like, they'll, they'll notice that maybe there's a quality deficiency or something in my videos and they'll DM me and say like, Hey man, I've had multiple INTP twos do this. Hey man, I would love to be able to help you in your podcast and I'd love to be able to have a conversation about it and or, or your YouTube channel. And I'd love to be able to give you advice. And I usually I'll direct them to my email or something like that, but because they're a hard type, they want to connect. They want to connect with me and I admittedly have a little bit of a challenge with twos in general, not, not because of anything twos are doing, but because of my past with twos, my ex-wife is a two and my dad's a two, and there's just some history there. And so there is a desire to connect and to interject and to be, uh, useful to, so the pride creates a sense of importance. Sometimes there's a bossiness. Sometimes there is a, um, There's just a desire to be the fixer. And so in an INTP sense, using introverted thinking usually means I want to help you solve your problems. I want to help you to, you know, be better at what you're doing, or I've noticed a pattern in something and I would like to teach you something. And so there is this almost insatiable desire to just get into someone's presence and to feel and uh, confirm a self sense of importance. Right. And so by being the helper, it's like, I am needing to interject into people's problems and to be the savior of their problems of the, of their lives in order to confirm that I am as important as I think I am, because behind every superiority complex is an inferiority complex and vice versa. And so for the twos, the sort of projected in superiority complex is actually about an inferiority complex. Like there's a fear that I'm nothing. There's a fear that I'm, that I'm not actually as important as I think I am. So I need to continue to help someone to affirm that for myself. And so an INTP, you can tell how that's an intensely emotional thing. And so when an INTP has come to me and I've unfortunately rejected, and, and I I was not, it was not an overt rejection. It was just diverting them because I get, I get, uh, I get a lot of requests for my attention and then I'm very much, uh, protecting my time and energy. That's just what I do. And, um, there's the, the when the two is denied the ability to help me or I, I just divert them to sending an email, which to them would be cold and impersonal, uh, it's taken personally. And I've been called out. Like I, I I've had one of the twos go into my comments and start talking crap about me and saying like, I've got a big ego and I don't want to blah, blah, blah. And all I said was you can leave me stuff in my email. Um, or, um, you know, they'll, they'll keep checking in and being like, are we cool? Are you okay? Like, we you know, it's like, trying to affirm a sense of importance. Like I, they need to hear from me that they're important. And um, I just can't always do that. And so uh, that's just been my experience with a few INTP twos. I mean, twos are amazing people. One, like all the types I've talked about so far are amazing people in their own right. It's just, we all have our challenges related to our Enneagram type that come up. So For an INTP, again, that kind of creates a fixation with the extroverted feeling a little bit in wanting to connect and wanting to vibe, but still doing it through an introverted thinking way, again, of wanting to solve a problem or wanting to build on on an idea um, and, and helping the ways that they know how. And I actually feel a lot for the INTP too, who is very much wanting to understand people and wanting to vibe with people and wanting to... Uh, create a sense of importance, but is maybe feeling frustrated with INTPs not necessarily being the most social types generally, and so there's there's a conflict there, right? So I mentioned how some types can feel um, like their anygram type like bolsters who they are. The any the INTP two can sometimes detract from who they feel they are. And so it can sometimes feel like i'm an intp and create frustration uh because you're a two and you're just like doubly frustrated that you're not necessarily naturally people oriented if that makes sense like if you're an enfj two there's maybe a little bit of an easier time uh navigating the social waters um there's a that same series there's the same survivor uh episode uh, uh, season rather season 37 had Angelina. She's a two, I believe, and she's in an ENFJ too. And she just had a little bit of an easier time navigating. It became obvious towards the end that she was self-sacrificing for the sake of herself, but, um, it, it was a little bit more effortless than maybe an INTP doing that. It might be, uh, there's an eagerness sometimes with the two that, can for an intp feel seem a little bit unnatural i guess i could say um and please course correct me if there's anything you feel is not right and and but this is not a personal judgment <laughs> also um so threes i have had the least experience with intp threes but i actually just met one uh i suspect i've just met one i haven't confirmed it with him but I was at profiler training with personality hacker and i believe there was a social three there who is an intp very talkative guy very attractive man uh very lovely person and um but also a very emotional person right (laughs) and so he's unlocking his sadness a lot of threes will get into action and will generally um succeed for the sense of um go towards success to avoid sadness that if I can, um, so the, the, the other side of sadness is wanting deep connection, right? Like being understood. I mentioned that before. And so being understood and seen is very much in line with, um, very much in line with, with three is doing whatever it takes to be seen. And so very much in the fours way of trying to be seen by being individual and therefore actually making themselves harder to see uh, threes actually just completely make themselves not seen for who they are as a person. Like they create what is seen. So they create the vision of a perfect, uh, not perfect, but they create the vision of a successful person or whatever success looks like in the context that you're in. So it may not necessarily be financially successful, but if you're like religious, it could be like the lead pastor in your church or something and having the ideal family or, or having whatever success means in the culture that you're in. And so the passion for threes is self-deceit. And so for an INTP, it could mean using your introverted thinking to, to learn how to take physical care of your body. And so for the sake of, of my friend who I met at profiler training, I, I don't know if he's a three necessarily. So I'm just reading into what I think I see. Um, I know that you do listen to this podcast. So if you're listening and you have some thoughts on that, please share. Um, (laughs) and I hope it's okay that I'm using you as an example, but it's like, if you're into the fitness world, for example, and you can use your introverted thinking to learn everything there is to, to, to know about being in the fitness world and then going down the data path of learning all of the data points of what it would take for you to be successful. And so where to contrast that with like maybe an Enneagram five, who will learn a lot about, maybe you'll learn a lot about nutrition or learn a lot about working out it may not necessarily mean that you will work out. (laughs) It just means that you understand how to do it or understand the information. Whereas Enneagram three is going to take the information and do something with it. So they're doing, uh, creating success for themselves in the introverted thinking way. And so I unfortunately don't really know any other INTP threes. I suspect maybe the, uh, the host Charlie of, of, emergency awesome on YouTube is an intp3 he's a workhorse he does a lot of stuff he's really excellent on YouTube but he very much he very much does what is requested of him so he's got a lot of intelligence around comic books around pop culture and um, is very much doing what's successful but even if he doesn't have a strong sense of 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 a, a certain topic or something that he's personally all that into, he will find a way to make himself interested in it, morph self-deceit, which is the passion. He will morph himself into whatever type, you know, the, that he's requested to be or whatever he needs to talk about or, or, or be involved in. So self-deceit is is a form of morphing or shape-shifting in a sense, it's shape-shifting to be seen, but by shape-shifting, you know, your authentic self is, is never seen. Um, so there's a sadness there. There's an a tense emotional feeling there. So my friend who I met was very much opening a lot of emotional floodgates uh, for an INTP. And there were other INTPs in the room who were having similar experiences, but not having the emotional expression part of it. And so so there is an, a desire to be seen and in an authentic way, but again, self-deceit kind of gets in the way, uh, fours will fours are the passion is envy, envy being just not on an equal plane with other people. Uh, envy by definition is about being above or below someone else. Um, so it's not just being feeling below, but it's like this oscillation between a superiority and inferiority complex. Uh, so what I mentioned with twos is like, there's a superiority complex that's hiding an inferiority complex. Fours kind of oscillate between the two. Um, and then the subtype plays a big part in this as well, but fours are typically fixated on their internal pain or suffering or their internal world, um, and it's really hard for four to see the bright side or to um to 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 look at the yeah, to look at the positives of a situation. Typically there's a fixation or a desire to look at what's going wrong. And it's to feel intensely, right? So there's an intense feeling that can go in all sorts of different directions, but that intense feeling doesn't necessarily have to be always about sadness, but typically they overdo sadness. It's like, my life is one big dark room. And uh, as an INTP, it can very much manifest in going down the introverted sensing rabbit hole of locking yourself away and being in your room and torturing yourself in a sense mentally and emotionally. And uh, fours tend to have a fixation towards the past quite a bit as well because, You know, drumming up the past can keep us in suffering, keep us keep us in our pain, and just like all the other types, keeping us in our pain is a way of getting our needs met. It's like the social four in particular can be a type that will express express their pain more often, sadness and music. Or every time you talk to them, you know, and you say, "How are you doing?" They're like. Uh, I'm not doing too well, or you know, and then like had they have a list of things that are going wrong, um, and and not necessarily consciously. Again, it may not necessarily be something that is, um, that they realize that they're doing. Like all of these are things that we may not realize that we're doing. There's a ton of blind spots around these things. Um, which again, the Enneagram starter kits are really, really amazing for illuminating some of these blind spots and kind of slowly taking you through this journey. Whereas I'm just kind of vomiting of the mouth (laughs) right now about all of this. Um, so fours envy can be again about being seen and understood can create that frustration of wanting to be because of that, that suffering and pain and that individual experience, there is a desire to be seen as an individual to be seen as to be seen in general. But the tactic is to be seen as an individual. The tactic is that if I express my fully, my full internal world, all of the pain, all of the sadness, all of the suffering, all of the emotional wounding, all of the traumas, etc., that I will be seen and I will be understood and I will be appreciated. And the four's is is complex. It's more complex than that, but tends to fixate on the suffering. It can be intense emotional experiences in any kind of way, but it's in a lot of ways tackling surface level emotions or different emotions, picking different emotions to avoid the real emotion that needs to be felt. Because when you feel the real emotion that you need to feel for anybody, for any type, Then you can process it and you can work through it. But similar to fives ruminating on thoughts and playing with the concept and not living the concept or not doing the project, like if you do the project, then you let go of the thoughts and you've got to move on. But with fives, there's a scarcity. And if you let go of the thoughts, then it's like, where am I going to get other thoughts Um, on, or like what's next? Or, you know, I, 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 then I have to let this thing go and letting the thing go is scary for a five, which I'll get into a second. But for fours, letting go of the emotion is scary, right? Letting go, because like, if I hold on to how I feel, then I can keep feeling this when there's a real feeling I need to feel and process. It's like the strategy that a four uses to avoid feeling what they need to feel. So while it may sound like fours have an advantage of feeling emotions that a lot of people also need to feel, fours themselves can avoid feeling the emotions they need to feel because they are choosing other emotions, not choosing, but like subconsciously or unconsciously choosing or fixating on other emotions that are not relevant to the emotions that they need to be feeling in this moment. And so you can see how that can be complicated for an INTP who's using introverted thinking to figure out like how they're feeling, right? So I'm coming up uh, on another 30 minute mark. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. So I'm going to be real with you for a second. If you like podcasts, you'll probably like audiobooks. And uh, chances are you already do that. And uh, that's something I do too. Listening to audiobooks is a convenient, wonderful way to listen to books and collect all that wonderful information while you're doing other things. Washing the dishes, going for a run, laying in bed, in the shower. I don't know where you do things. Maybe you're rolling in mud. I don't know. But you can listen to audiobooks at any old place and especially with this episode related to the Enneagram uh, there's plenty of Enneagram audiobooks from particularly Beatrice Chestnut who I've gotten a lot of my information from uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash dopamine d-o-p-e-a-m-i-n-e and sign up to get your audiobooks and that helps support the channel as well so go do the thing and then let's get back to the show All right. Well, this is data dump day. (laughs) We're just dumping it all on you. Um, Welcome to part three. I guess we'll call this part three and we'll keep finishing this, the heart types and then go into the head types and wrap this up. So with the Enneagram four, I mentioned that for an INTP showing up as an Enneagram four, I haven't, that's another one. I haven't seen a lot of examples of but it's also very, um, I wish I, I feel like I have pop culture examples in my mind. I just can't grab it right now. Uh, and so if you have any, again, for any of these types, if you suspect there's an INTP of a varying Enneagram type, put it in the comments below. I'd love to explore that. Um, and so you can see how introverted thinking, especially introverted thinking and introverted sensing, like you can clean slice things. You can ruminate on your past experience in a logical way, but still in an emotional way, meaning like you can be the simple act of, of ruminating on a past relationship. So let me, let me use myself as an example, because I'm not a four, but I've gone to four in stress and I spent 10 years ruminating on a relationship. <laughs> so I had a high school sweetheart situation. It was like the girl next door kind of vibe. And. I had a lot of hope for that relationship, but then I had my own impulses and my own needs and, and wanting to leave town and, and my NE was starting to kick in and she's an ISTJ and she wanted to stay at home. She had a plan for how she wanted to live her life. And I was like, that's terrifying. And so there was all these cascading series of events that as a budding teenager, there's a lot of emotions and hormones and all of that. And so we split up when I was 19, I believe and I spent probably the next 10 years thinking about that relationship, thinking about not all the time, but just certainly when I was in a stress, stressed out state, I would fixate on that um, quite a bit. And so I, I fixated on that relationship and I was asking myself like, could I have said this instead of this? Could I have thought this instead of that? And really just like ruminating on these feelings and emotions that like really didn't serve me. Like there was, I did learn some things, sure, but, um, I did not, there was so much of that time that in retrospect feels like so much time wasted on just like pining for, uh, a person that was not relevant to my current situation, right? So fixating on past emotions as opposed to present needs and emotions and the present situation. And so I've since got better at that, um, and improved on that, um, but you can see how as an INTP, i was i was sort of clean slicing my words i was deducing my language i was trying to understand what i said to this person what they said to me what did they really mean when they said this what did i really mean when i said that um and and doing an emotional examination in an introverted thinking kind of way so when i'm talking about an intp enneagram four it could be kind of that sort of thing but ruminating specifically on emotions that um that are not fitting the the current context and also the individuality right there's an individual identity component to introverted thinking to intps um, as well that can maybe make an intp think that they're an infp because you're trying to find your own unique way of thinking or your own u- unique way of looking at things or your own unique um uh theories or your own way of expressing yourself. Maybe you're creating art, maybe you're creating instrumentals, maybe you're making music, right. Um, you know, there's an artist fixation to Enneagram fours because there's typically the, like there's a, a artist, the artist moniker for for our fours tends to come out because of this desire to self-express, to be seen for the full depth of emotional experience. Uh, so INTPs can very much do that as well. All right. Ooh, it's a lot of talking, but I've, I'm, I'm on this rabbit hole, so I'm, I'm almost done. I'm getting tired, <laughs> but we're going to get through it. Um, feel free to listen to this in multiple parts, but I feel like this is going to be a good one for you. Uh, so any fives, um, fives, the, the passion is avarice. So I talked about fives a little bit already, probably talked about fives the most in this podcast so far as an example, because fives tend to be what INTPs believe they are. Um, And there's plenty of INTPs who are actually fives. Um, And so five is a head type and it's a fear-based type. And typically the fear is of feeling, fear of feeling emotions, any emotions. And so there's, there can be a coldness to fives. There can be a uh specialty focus for fives so very similar to fours there's a connection between fours and fives where fours are kind of living deeply in the emotional experience fives are living deeply into the intellectual experience so there's like an academic intellectualizing that can happen fives are probably the most prone to spiritual bypassing because like i understand spiritual spirituality but like not necessarily living a spiritual life so there's or, or preaching it or teaching it, but not necessarily embodying it or living it or working through the emotions of it. And so fives, uh, the word avarice sometimes gets substituted for greed, but greed is not necessarily about money. It's a hoarding or a more of a scarcity mindset. It's a fear of, it's not like a fear of overwhelm in the same way that an eight is but it's a fear of emotional overwhelm. It's a fear of um, it's a fear of because you're trying to understand basically everything that you experience that if there's too much to experience, if there's too much going on, then there's too much to process and you might not have enough time to process it all. And so there's a fear that you might not be able to go as deep into uh, topics because of there simply being too many things to do. And there's a very real reality that we are human beings that are only going to exist for a certain amount of time. And so there is also this the emotional side of the ex- experience. Like fives, um, if I'm going to be blunt, and this may be upsetting, and please don't take this the wrong way, but fives are very emotional. Uh, and because because trying inherently trying to avoid emotions is a very emotional experience it's just it's just kind of how that works um there's there's an intense emotional desire to avoid emotions and so um that may not feel that way um and that's okay um it can be really hard to to know that or experience that like, and I, and I have so much sympathy and empathy for uh, for that. I understand like emotions are hard, especially when I get into my extroverted feeling space. I'm like, this is awful. Get it off of me. It feels like a symbiote on me. And I think fives feel that all the time. Like I feel that when I'm in my extroverted feeling, but I think fives are constantly fighting against emotions. Like don't bring that, that shit in here. You know, like I'm, I'm trying to focus on something. I'm trying to learn something. I'm trying to understand, but being a head type, there's like a fantasy element to it. Right. So head types are, there's a, a future pacing element to, to head types. There's a, cause there's a mental imagination idea. A sad guru talks about, we mainly suffer two things in our lives and that is our fantastic sense of memory and a fantastic sense of imagination. And so where fours are like the poster child for over overmining memory to pull out all of the the past negative bits. The head types will kind of because of fear that kind of play into the anxiety. Anxiety is is trying to predict the future that you can't see yet. And so there can be this perpetual anxiety for all of the head types in some way, shape or form because there's a future orientation as there's, there's not a presence to it. So there may be, uh, I get a lot of comments from INTPs who are likely fives who are struggling with putting things into action because there's, there's a, there's an unconscious desire to not put the thing in action because once you put the thing in action, you put it into the world. It's no longer in your head, right? If you create something that you've completely conceptualized and fleshed out and are now putting it into a project and creating it, and it's now in the world, uh, you may not necessarily have to keep thinking about it anymore. It's done. It's out there. It's, you don't have to think about that. What the fear is four or five is that if I do the thing, there won't be more of the thing, more of this thing, Right but there's also a desire for more. So there's an unconscious desire for more, even though there's a fear of abundance in a sense, there's also a a desire for it. It's a little bit of a paradox, but each type has kind of its own paradox and that's a whole other thing. So fives, there's, there's a struggle with understanding that if you make this thing, that there will be more. And so and and there is even a, f- a fear of what the more even means, you know. <laughs> like, is more going to be more of what I want? Because if it turns into something else, then that's going to be disconcerting, and then I'm going to have to find another thing to be a specialty in, and like that becomes a whole rabbit hole of of frustrations. So the logical thing, quote unquote, for a five is to hold on to it. I'm just going to keep ruminating on this. I'm just going to keep intellectualizing Myers Briggs and not actually do any of the work around it. I'm just going to keep understanding all of the cognitive functions or understanding Jung's work or go into like the Jungian archetype um, or into Jung's other works and understand maybe Carl Jung as a person instead of actually doing any of the inner emotional work for myself. Right. And so there's a deeply specialized a uh, desire for fives that that specialization it's like the deeper of the rabbit hole that you can go intellectually into something the more you can use that as another thing to pull up when you're starting to feel emotional right when you're starting to feel like there's the hunger anger lonely or tiredness there's like a let me start thinking or fantasizing about this thing or this situation right so there's like an absurd absurdist humor to fives quite a bit uh, because of this mental play and mental fantasy. It's like playing in my head uh, as opposed to existing in reality. And I think fives, you know, a lot of INTPs very much relate to fives because the five, the five sounds like the cognitive loop. It sounds like staying in your experience, like staying in what you already have, staying, and I, uh, deducing and also re-experiencing or reimagining what you've already experienced, like continuing to recycle the toilet water (laughs) in a way. And I'm not saying your thoughts are like toilet water. What I'm saying is that, um, (laughs) sorry, that was awful. Um, but it's like, if you're reusing the same things. It's like, you know, creating, it's like creating remixes of a lot of the same information over and over again. It's like, once you start to feel this intense emotion, you're like, let me make another remix (laughs) kind of thing. So I hope that makes sense. And I hope that wasn't too daunting, but uh, you know, it, it can be really hard and I'm not, I'm not devaluing the experience at all of a five, but that's just what I've seen. So Uh, probably one of my favorite examples of a five. If you've watched the show, Ted Lasso, I'm not sure if he's an INTP, but he's definitely a five is coach. The bearded beard guy, beard coach. Um, There's an episode that is brilliant. I think it's like season two, episode six. It's basically following, uh, following coach down basically his mental rabbit hole. He's going through, this whole experience. And there's almost a sense of like, you don't know what's real and what's not. There's like some stuff that's clearly in his mind and his fantasy about what he's experiencing or what he'd like to experience or his interpretation of the experience. But then there's some things that are connected to reality and there's this like constant, like, is this real? Is this not real? It's like that absurdist kind of thing. And so I thought it was a brilliant episode, not only as an episode, but because it brilliantly shows off, the five mental experience from what I've heard about the five. So, um, I would watch Ted Lasso all the way through Ted Lasso is a really great example of Enneagram types. And so sixes, six, sixes passion is fear. And now a lot of sixes may not necessarily feel that they're f- experiencing or expressing fear. Um, they may call it preparedness. They may call it um, a, uh, yeah, they may call it preparedness or just being ready for anything. Um, but really they probably have a specific mental fantasy that they've had about something that's going to happen. And then they're actively working to prevent that. And so you can imagine as an introverted thinker, as an INTP, that, that, that involves a lot of mental work to fully understand concepts, to be prepared for anything to happen. And that, that, that to me sounds exhausting, but it's a very heavy use of the mind. Um, and, uh, so the self-preservation sixes can seem the most obviously, like there's almost like a trembling heart. There's like a literal fear on their face, but, um, largely it, it does manifest as this preparedness. And, um, I have had some comments from sixes who have, uh, Uh, Oh, it just dropped out of my brain. I apologize. Um, but, but sixes are asking a lot of questions. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of unsure. There's a lot of push and pull with loyalty with people. There's this, uh, outsourcing of authority a much of the time, because if there is a person who knows what they're doing, then it's, the safest, easiest, quickest thing to do is to trust that person and let them handle it. And, uh, you know, di- di- divert my own authority to someone else, outsource my authority to someone else who knows better. And that will keep me safe. And so depending on the subtype, like what's hard for six is that the subtypes are so different from each other that it's really hard to express that, but at its core, it's the fear it's the preparedness and it's a sense of authority and a sense of loyalty. And so there's a desire for a loyal band of people around you, because if you have a loyal band of people around you, then everyone's going to take care of each other. Um, but, also just, just mental preparedness and mental preparedness means again, fixating on the future and trying to future cast, like what's coming, what could go wrong. And the thing is that if you aim at things that could go wrong all the time, you're going to hit something that could go wrong. (laughs) Like, so while sixes are always looking for problems, they can sometimes create their own problems because of sometimes needing a problem to solve, like, right. So the hungry, angry, lonely, or tired thing, and everyone's trying to find a sense of value or trying to interject their own sense of value. There is a, sometimes a desire to create problems, to feel useful. And so sometimes a six can do that. And so you can imagine how this can manifest in an introverted thinking way, again, of like thinking of all of the possibilities that can go wrong, or even hijacking your extroverted intuition and seeing the patterns in the outside world of all the things that could go wrong um, in almost like a final destination kind of way. I don't know if that movie series is relevant uh, to anyone listening, but uh, final destination is both an example of introverted intuition gone wrong for SPs, but also sixes kind of fantasizing about all of the things that can go wrong. And that's kind of what it is. It's a fantasy. It's fantasizing. It's a mental escape from whatever the current situation is, because that's all what we're doing, all of us, heart, head, anger, uh, body, etc is an avoidance of the present moment in some way, shape, or form. And so it, the six tactic is typically fantasizing or thinking about what can go wrong, right? So I can also personally afford to understand sixes better. And now that I think about it, I don't really have an example of a six in my mind, um, a six, an INTP six, in my mind that I can think of. Um, but if you have one, I would love to hear it in the comments. And so sevens are the passion is gluttony. And the gluttony is interesting in that it is, uh, it is a gluttony. It's not just about food. It's like an overindulgence over planning over having a, too many options and having, always having something fun in mind or something fun to do. Um, and I think the, (laughs) I think the villain of a seven is boredom. Uh, boredom, as I mentioned, has a relationship to loneliness and loneliness can feel very uncomfortable if you don't like your own company. So if you can't find ways to entertain yourself or to really enjoy your own experience, then that's going to be very uncomfortable. And so the sevens are typically trying to avoid pain and sometimes they're avoiding fear. And so there's strangely, there is a fear of scarcity. You know, it's kind of like the opposite of fives, fives, fear, abundance, sevens, fear, scarcity, fear, not having enough of something. And so it's like this paradox, this reverse of like having a fear of not having enough of something. Um, because there is this very real reality that there is a finite experience that we do have. Um, there's only so much we can experience because we're only going to live for so long. Uh, and so there's an anxiety that comes up around that. It's like waking up in the morning and it's like, okay, what are all the fun things I'm going to do today? And being very imaginative, being very good at brainstorming, very good at, um, having all sorts of fun things on the docket, uh, and developing a lot of skills or just have taste testing, all sorts of things. My nine-year-old is an ESTJ seven and she's like, I want to try swimming. I want to try piano. I want to try the saxophone. I want to try basketball. <laughs> like she's just like every little while she'll taste test something and she's like, okay, I get the gist of it and let's do something else. And so it can very be very hard to keep the attention um, of a seven or this, the seven to keep their attention on something for very long, because they're again, the opposite of a five, in a sense, a five will be specialized and go deep into something. A seven will skip along the surface. They'll just get a taste test. They just want to sample everything. They want a buffet and just like a scoop of everything, right? I want to try all the flavors. <laughs> I want to taste test all of the things. And um, what really stuck out to me, and while I haven't talked about the mental fixations of sevens, the mental fixation for seven is planning. And so this planning, uh, shows up in gluttony and the gluttony of having more things to experience all the time. So my nine-year-old, even though she's an ESTJ, she'll activate her extroverted intuition a little bit. And she'll also just get wacky. She'll just get absolutely like when she's bored, she'll start to bug everyone else <laughs> to keep her entertained. Uh, and I'm like, everyone's happy, leave them alone. And she's like, but I'm not happy. And I'm like, you're never happy. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a funny interchange that we have, but, um, you know, always seeking some sort of mental stimulation. And that's really the thing. That's what makes the seven ahead type is that it's mental satisfaction, uh, a sugar high, right. A rush, adrenaline, Um, my, again, my nine-year-old, even though she's a self-preservation seven, she's like slowly getting into like horror things. And she's like, I like this scary thing. It's scary. I don't like it, but it's like, there's like an exhilaration mentally. And she's like, I really hate it. And I love it. And I hate it. And I love it. Um, and she's just like a really, she's got a great energy and sevens are very much can be fun to be around, but it is pretty relentless. Like when you spend, more than just a little bit of time. If you get like little samplings of a seven, it's like really great. But then it's, if you're with a seven all the time, you're like, okay, calm down, stop. (laughs) It's just constant. Um, and you know, for an INTP that might be a little bit different in that it won't be as extroverted and quote unquote zany, but there's a creativity that, um, that, that unlocks for an INTP who's a seven, um, and may struggle with specialty and especially as an intp who generally intps can have a stress around being reliable or being consistent with their introverted sensing there can be this push and pull with the seven who is like i want to taste new things all the time and i want to try new stuff and i want to do new things and i want to be all you know keep myself mentally entertained um But then there's this stress of like, I need to live life. I need to make money. I need to do things. I need to be consistent. I need to, et cetera, et cetera. And so that can be really stressful. The only INTP seven that I can think of in real life is a friend of ours that shows up to our, our dance classes or, or to Molly does a dance thing. And she tells me about him all the time. And I've met him twice and he is very, he takes to it like a duck to water. He's just like very creative and expressive and playful and sees the bright side of things. Um, And that's the thing. There's a mental reframe all the time. And you can see how introverted thinking could be used to find the the positive logic of a situation all the time. Like, yeah, but like, uh, I mean, I do it too. I, I have a connection point to seven in my arrow lines. And so when I'm in kind of that zanier space, when I finally get to relax and that's something I'm actively working on, I can be very creative and I tend to look at the bright side of things and it can get almost frustrated at people who are persistently negative. And, um, and I, I think an INTP 7 can get persistently frustrated at someone who's negative um, negative. and it's very easy to find the positive reframe for an INTP 7. So that's all I got for now. My, my mind is fainting. <laughs> it's been a long hour and a half of talking. I didn't expect it to be this long, but I also didn't realize how much I wanted to just data dump a lot of this stuff. So, um, hopefully that all made a lot of sense. And I shall also mention that sevens really love tri-type because tri-type gives you options. <laughs> It's not just picking one type, and now you have to go down the deep rabbit hole of figuring out your one type and what that means and how that connects to your life and doing the deep emotional work and all that stuff. Try type is like, oh, I get three. <laughs> um, so that's like a little bit of a caveat. Is like, and try type is, try type is helpful if you're trying to diagnose. Try type is can if you take a test and it says like, okay, I'm a maybe a five, a six, or a nine. And it's like, okay, now you have three things to investigate, but the idea is to land on one type because you are just one type. And so while it sounds exciting to have tri-type, to have three types and say like, oh, this is my type doing this, or this is, this is when I'm in my seven. It's like, no, it doesn't, no, that's not how that works. Uh, going into your Enneagram type is a lifetime of work and it takes a lot to really dive into the emotional experience of what it means to be that Enneagram type and relate it to your life. And especially as an INTP to, you know, add these buffs of what it means to be an INTP plus your Enneagram type, not mesh them together and try to make patterns of like, Oh, this and this is this, but that I'm an INTP who is a one. And therefore I have a fixation on judgment and fearing judgment And that means that hijacks some of my uh, thought process in terms of preparing for a situation where I will be perceived as perfect. And I'm using all of my introverted thinking to plan to look good or uh, say the right things or rehearse the way I'm going to say something, you know, an introverted thinking, an extroverted feeling kind of thing. Right. So all I'm saying is that you're going to use the tools of your Myers-Briggs type in service of the Enneagram ego fixation or focus of attention. And so I I think it's interesting to think of how one leads to the other or how one supports the other and how um, often when your Enneagram type flares up, there's the hungry, angry, lonely, or tired uh, thing that's coming up. And if you're feeling like you're out of control or you're just like doing the cliche Enneagram type thing, the remedy may be that you're hungry, angry, lonely or tired. So I am tired and I feel my mind getting resentful <laughs> that I've been doing this for too long and I need to get some food and uh I don't want to do this anymore right now. <laughs> so um I appreciate you for listening. This is a long episode. Let me know in the comments below. This is really like this episode is meant to be a spark, right? This is something that if you want more of this, if you have questions, if you have a desire, uh, if you want a, um, a, a course or a workshop or something related to this to go deeper into this material, uh, this is your chance to let me know because otherwise I might not do it. So give me a little bit of a prompt and all of that stuff. So uh, go to our website. You can go to uh, school. And go to dopeintp.com. They both go to the same place. We have courses available for there, there for you, where if you want to support dopamine, I'd rather you get some value for what it is that you're supporting. So there's great programs there about intp growth, as well as a spiral dynamics course and a creativity course and the intp productivity master quest. There's all sorts of stuff. Go ahead and browse and see, see what it feels like. We also have patreon.com slash dopamine. If you want to just leave a few bucks support every few months and all of that stuff. So on that note, I appreciate you. Let me know in the comments below what your experience is, and I'd love to hear all about it. I appreciate you take care of yourselves and each other and I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya. This has been a C note media production.